Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about acres of diamonds. And I'll go to that scripture in just a moment. But I first want to begin, if you haven't heard this, if you have, then you're going to hear it again. It's going to bless you again. But if you haven't heard it, lean in because this is a story that can change your life. And listen, it can change your perspective. Psalms Psalms 119 and verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. It's possible that you're living in wonderful things and among wonderful things, and wonderful things are in your life that you've taken for granted because you're focused on the wrong things, you're not seeing the wonderful things. And that's kind of what this is centered around. The whole story of Acres of Diamonds is a true story that came from the life of a man by the name of Russell Conwell. Russell Conwell was a a businessman, an attorney, who later became a preacher, but he didn't start out that way. And he became very wealthy and went to the Middle East. And he was taking a tour back in the 1840s of the Holy Land. And he was doing it by camel. And he had a tent that he stayed in. And an Arab guide would tell stories by the campfire at night to entertain the guests. One night he told this story and Russell Conwell took it and put it in a booklet. In the 1800s, and it sold 7 million copies. He then gave the speech about it, really a business speech, 6,000 times. And with the resources that came from those talks and from the millions of copies of books that were sold, he started something called Temple University, which is in Pennsylvania. It's one of a major university in the United States there in the state of Pennsylvania, and it has over 40,000 students on the, re- on the campus there as I speak. It all came from this story, and I'm going to sum the story up very quickly. What happened was there was a man in South Africa by the name of Ali Hafid. He was a, he was a farmer, and he lived on this farm, and he worked. He had a plow, and he had, I'm sure, a, a mule and a ox and other farm animals and he had a meager little cabin that he lived in with his family and he worked hard every day by the sweat of his brow and the calluses on his hands to produce food to feed his family and sell in the market and he did this day after day after day. One day something happened that changed everything. A man came by his house and he began to This man had been traveling a lot. He said, it's a shame you have to work so hard in the field like you do every day because they're discovering diamonds in India. And, you know, there's a place there called the Valley of the Moon. And if you would just go there between two mountains, there's a beautiful river. And all you have to do is reach down into the river and pick up diamonds the size of rocks. And you could become instantly fabulously wealthy. And that just got a hold of that farmer. And he went to bed discontent that night. And he tossed and turned. And he thought about it for days and weeks. And finally, he decided and announced to his wife and children that he was selling the farm. 
He sold the farm, the plow, the farm animals, the ox, everything that he had. The little cabin, he kissed his wife goodbye, his little children goodbye, and had them somewhere temporarily to stay. And he said, when I return, you'll sit on thrones because we'll be so wealthy. And he went out in search of diamonds. He searched all over the world. And he went to India. He ended up in Europe searching for diamonds, spending that money, spending it, searching for diamonds, the money that had purchased his farm. And finally, in an act of desperation, after he had spent all of his money and found no diamonds, he wrote a suicide note that said, there are no diamonds anywhere. And he dove into raging water that took him down and he was never seen again. He died a parker that was searching for diamonds. Now, this is where the story gets amazing because the man who bought the farm took the same plow and the same ox and the same mule. He took the same cabin and the same acreage that that man had walked away from in search of diamonds. And as he was plowing through the fields, he kept digging up these rocks they were all over. It was the rockiest piece of property you've ever seen. And he started throwing those rocks to the side, just trying to plow the fields to get ready to sow the seeds. It was so aggravating. He could only go a few feet and he would have to throw the rocks to the side. And there were stacks and stacks of them for acres and acres in the fields where he would plow. One day, one of the local priests came by to welcome he and his family to the community. He had taken one of those rocks and set it up on the mantle in the cabin. And when the priest saw it, he stopped his sentence midway and he said, where did you get that rock? And he walked over and it was huge. And he said, out in the field, they're all over the place. This property is covered with them. He said, you don't understand that's a diamond in the rough. Sure enough, when they took it to get it checked, that first diamond was worth 25 thousand dollars in the 1800s. It was the birth of the world's largest diamond mine, the famous Golconda diamond mine, where the queen of England and royalty in Europe get and purchase their diamonds to this day. That man who flung himself into that raging river in Spain never realized that he was living in acres of diamonds. I think that's true for a lot of people today who are always looking out there somewhere for something and they never really appreciate where they are and what God has given them right now. And I'd like to say that if you have Jesus, you are living in acres of diamonds. If your sins are forgiven, your past is pardoned, your present is powerful and your future is promised. And why should you worry or be afraid? You're living in acres of diamonds. You got to get your eyes off what you don't have and say, Lord, open my eyes to wonderful things. I'm blessed. I've got a family. I've got people that love me. I'm sitting in church today. God's been good to me. I know I don't have everything everybody else has, but he's met my every need and he always will. Take a praise break and thank him for giving you all that he's given you. A similar story is told in a city called Titusville, Pennsylvania, how that city was born, how that city was birthed. 
back in the, in the early uh, 1900s here in America. There was a man who had a dairy farm and uh, he, he, he had a river that went through the dairy farm. But it had a putrid smell to it. It was awful. It was nasty smelling. And the, it was so bad the cattle wouldn't drink from it. And it was so aggravating because he had to dig whales all over that property to take care of his livestock. Whereas if the river was just, you know, good and clean, they would drink it and he wouldn't have to do all that work. And after years of dealing with that problem, he got aggravated and he said, I'm done with this, that old stinky river going through this property and these cows, they are always needing water and I'm always running short. So he just got discouraged and sold the whole farm, true story, for $833. The man who bought the farm noticed the same problem, but he brought in some specialists and they checked it out. And they found out that the reason the water stunk was because it had coal and what and oil in it. And it was the discovery of one of the largest oil discoveries in Pennsylvania. Over a hundred million dollars was in that stinky river. And the man sold it for eight hundred and thirty-three dollars. How many of you know that's a bad day and he should have prayed that, that morning before he got up? He never realized. That he was living in acres of diamonds. He never realized that the bad smelly part of his life could be loaded with potential that could bless him and his family for generations to come. The same is true of us. All we want is the green pastures. All we want is the fun. All we want is the easy way to win the lottery and strike it rich. And we don't understand that it's the smelly things, it's the tough things, it's the difficult things that give birth to the diamonds in our life. Diamonds are only formed through heat and intense pressure and time. You cannot have diamonds. All a diamond is is carbon. And the thing that causes the carbon to be transformed into a diamond is intense heat and pressure. And if the pressure is just enough and if it submits to the pressure and the heat enough and if the heat gets hot enough, then suddenly the atoms in the carbon bond, and the moment that they bond, a diamond is born inside of that carbon. It becomes more than a worthless piece of rock. But if it submits to, to the heat, the intense heat and pressure, and that's the message that I want you to understand, that if God is going to do something in your life that is powerful, it's going to require seasons of loneliness, seasons of nothing seeming to happen, seasons of feeling like I want to give up and quit and throw in the towel and take an easier route, seasons of saying to yourself, the grass looks greener on the other side, but as I've told you, that might be because there's a busted septic tank over there, and you might ought to dig in your own yard, get your shovel get you a pick and dig in your own yard in the own in the marriage you're in there's acres of diamonds it, with the family that you have there's acres of diamonds with the job that you possess there's acres of diamonds not when somebody discovers you you got to maximize where you are right now and God says I know how much pressure how much heat how much time it's going to take to produce the diamonds in your life and if you 
won't get weary and give up. God is faithful. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to do it and complete it. Take a praise break. Hallelujah. It's the truth. It's the truth. You see, when you understand that, you stop running from your trials. You stop running from the hard times. You stop trying to take it easy. I know when I first came to Free Chapel, and I tell the story in the book of within about the second or third year, I couldn't remember exactly, but Sharice could. And thank God she's the one to help me. But, but um, the church was growing. We were over on Browns Bridge Road, and you know we were, we were growing, and we were starting to, to knock the back wall out and add some seats. And some, How many of you remember those days? Any of you still around or alive? Any of you? Just a few little hands out there. They're withered hands. Amen. But God bless you. But, you know, the church was doing great, and we were growing, and it was exciting. And, and yet the challenges were tremendous. We needed land. We needed property. We always needed money. We needed stuff. We needed equipment. We needed sound. We needed this. We needed that. And it just seemed like it was, you know, we were getting there. But, oh, there was pressure. And then there was heat. Sometimes people left. And people didn't like the church growing. And that some people left because of the music or this or that changed. And, and, and they just didn't like it. And right in the middle of all of that, and everything was going good. But it was hard work, intense heat and pressure every day. I didn't have much of the staff, just uh, about a few part-time people. And we were working hard to get it done. And every day I was a counselor. Sharice was working in the children's church. I mean, the nursery back there. And, and I remember when... One of the janitors came, Brother um, J.W. Thomas, J.W. Thomas. He said, Pastor, the church is really growing. He said, we have grown from nine rolls of toilet paper a Sunday to 18 rolls of toilet paper every Sunday. That's one way to count them. Amen. <laughs> but the church just began to grow. But with that, you know, you, you apply this to your business. You know what I'm talking about. When it looks fun, and only, but every time you grow and you add on, you got it. Then you got the pressure of those jobs and that money, and on top of that, you got four more needs, and you got, and it's just nonstop all the time. Right in the middle of that, I get a phone call, and there's a famous pastor out in California, and he calls me and he says, Jensen, I want you to think about and entertain coming to California and being. Um, being considering taking this church when I retire in about a year. Now, I've already got the auditorium built. It's debt-free. And all you'd have to do is just come in and step in and take this church to the next level. I'm just a young kid. I loved this church. I knew God had called me, but I did think about it. And we thought about it for a few days, and me and Sharice fasted about it. And something in me said, I know it's tough where you are. I know you feel drained. I know it. we didn't have TV ministry. We didn't have any of those things. We, didn't, we, weren't, re we weren't reaching people all over the world like, like we do today. We didn't have the, all the stuff and the amazing people. We didn't have any of that. But something in me said, you can't quit. You can't walk away. You can't 
do that there if I want you here. That looks quicker, that looks sharper, that looks flashier, that looks shinier. But I tell you, God opened my eyes to where I was. And when I get in that pulpit on Brownsbridge Road, I didn't see a little country church. I saw acres of diamonds. I saw a day when we'd have to have the police directing the traffic just to get them in and get them out. Hallelujah. I saw altars filled from one end to the other. I saw cameras taking the gospel to 250 nations of the world. Oh, come on. I saw families restored and lives changed changed and people being called into the ministry. I'm so glad I didn't go that route. And then on top of that, a few years later, God says, Hey, just to show you that you don't give up anything that I don't reward you for, I'm going to give you a church in Southern California and your son-in-law and daughter are going to pastor it. Oh, hallelujah. I could have missed God. Don't give up. If God's put you there, there are diamonds there. Clap your hands and praise the Lord, somebody. His time is not our time. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But when you know that God has called you and placed you somewhere, don't walk away from it. You think about that prodigal son. He had everything you can imagine. His father had it all for him. In the father's house, there was food. In the father's house, there was joy. In the father's house, there was plenty. In the father's house, there was peace when he laid his head down in the, on the pillow. In the father's house, there was all that he would ever need for life and joy and happiness. But some of his friends got to talking to that younger brother and said, man, out there, they're really having a party. Out there, the girls are wild and you ought to go check it out. You can't have that in the father's house. It's life isn't in the father's house. It's out there there where there's liquor, where there's wine, where there's women, where there's party, party, party. And he left the father's house in search of acres of diamonds only to lose it all, to spend everything that he had. He wasted his life on substance. He got wasted and then it wasted him. An addicted man a messed up man, a, a pauper, and he's living in a pig pen and he comes back home to the father's house because he gets the revelation that now he can see things all around him that he was living in that he never saw when he was there until he went out and he got so low that he had to look back at where he came from and he realized I had it all and I didn't even know it. Open my eyes to wonderful things. I don't know. Some of you are upset with God because he hadn't given you that new house, that new car, that promotion. The door hadn't opened. You hadn't got married yet. But you know what? You are living in the Father's house. And in his time, he will fulfill his will and purpose in your life. You're living in it. You're blessed. You're walking in it. We want to be like everybody else, but it's possible to be living in spiritual poverty in the midst of untold spiritual wealth. There's acres of diamonds in every church. And so pastors don't get discouraged. There's acres of diamonds in every marriage. I mean, so many people have walked away 
from that plow, that old ox that you married. <laughs> but what, what messed me up about that story that bothered me the most when I read it is somebody could take the same ox, the same plow, Somebody could take the same life that God has given you that you complain about. I don't know what's wrong with that old thing. I'm about tired of him. So, yeah, come on, I'm preaching now. But somebody could take him and get him in the gym. Somebody could take her and fix her up a little bit and give her some self-esteem and tell her how beautiful and wonderful she is and she'd start feeling good about it. And somebody could take what you're taking for granted and you just think it's just there but, and you, you don't even see anything. But if God would open your eyes, the potential for joy, unspeakable. I tell you, I'm so glad that I didn't walk away from my marriage when the heat and the pressure were on. I'm so glad that through every storm and every trial, when the enemy would say to me and Sharice, it's easier out there. It would be, you're not supposed to be together. What lies, he tells us. Now, in this season of our life, I can truly say these are the golden days when I hold my grandbabies, when I see my children serving the Lord, all of them loving God. It's a beautiful thing, but you should have saw my men. You should have saw my family. You should have saw my children. It looked like this, but God turned it into this. When you don't give up, he will give you acres of diamonds. Somebody praise him. I'm going to try to... Calm down. Hallelujah. Abraham and Lot get in a family argument because they're so blessed. Abraham is so favored of God, a friend of God, that he increases in cattle and his shepherds have so many animals that, that they get in fights with Lot's uh, shepherds and Lot didn't have the favor of God. He just hung out with Abraham. If you don't have any favor, find somebody who does. If you don't have a dream, get around somebody who does. Nobody was dreaming in Egypt till Joseph showed up. When he showed up, the butler started dreaming. The baker started dreaming. Pharaoh started dreaming. And the way that you get your dream to come to pass is you serve somebody else's dream. And when Joseph helped somebody else with their dream, God gave him his dream. And you ain't doing nothing for nobody and mad about God because your dream hadn't come to pass. And if you're the smartest one in your group, get a new group. And Lot was very smart because he didn't have anything going for him, but he just latched hold, was not even invited, just jumped on the wagon and hung out with Abraham and the overflow got on him. And the Bible said that when they started fighting, the younger should have shown honor to the older. But instead, the young whippersnapper comes to him and says, your cattle, your shepherds are coming over into my field. And Abraham knew this could, be a, this could be a tear in the family. And I'm a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so he said, you know what? You choose. There's the well-watered plains of Jordan, green grass, river. And oh, there's flashing lights. There's Las Vegas, Sodom and Gomorrah. There it is. It all looks, looks like diamonds. Look at those lights flashing. Looks like diamonds out there. And Lot said... Or you can go 
behind curtain number two to the desert. He said, I choose this. Good luck, old man. And he takes off with his family. And he searches and searches and searches for diamonds. He gets in Sodom and Gomorrah. It looks so fulfilling, so wonderful, so modern, so, so with it. That old man hanging out with God. This is where it's at. Wow, look at this. But he lost his wife. He didn't find any diamonds, but he lost his wife. He lost his daughters. He lost his integrity. He lost everything good in his life. It all burned up in Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham goes out into the desert. Watch. You know what a desert is? A place of intense heat and pressure. And he's out in the desert and there's nothing out there. But when you're in intense heat and pressure, God can open your eyes to wonderful things. And suddenly a desperate man says, I ain't got much to work with out here. And he grabs a handful of sand and picks it up. And God opens his eyes. And God says, as the sands of the seashore, so will your seed be. That's natural Israel. A great nation is going to come out of you in this experience in intense heat and pressure. And then he lays down and he looks up and he sees the stars twinkling. And anybody else would have just seen stars and complained. Now, why am I out here? And look at Lot, how good his life is going. And look how they look on Instagram. They got the perfect family. And I'm married with this crazy bunch. I'm telling you, I don't like this family. But, but when God opened his eyes out in the desert, he saw twinkle, twinkle, little star. And God, and God says, God says, as the, as the stars of heaven, so will your seed be. You won't just have a natural uh, nation, you'll have a spiritual nation, the nation of the church, the kingdom. It didn't come in green pastures. It didn't come in flashy lights. It came in a desert and a wilderness. And some of you are cursing the wilderness bypass that God has you on. But if he's got you there, he's going to bring something out of it. You won't come out of it empty. You're going to come out of it more like Jesus and knowing him like you've never known him before. Booker T. Washington was a great black preacher of bygone days and became a tremendous uh, businessman also. And he told the story in one of his speeches, the true story of a ship that was out at sea and the men on the ship were thirsting to death. And they had run out of water. And they were desperate. And this was before they had modern technology, the communication that they could just call somebody for help. They didn't have any of that. And while they were out at sea, about the third day with no water, they were so dry and so desperate. They see a ship on the horizon and they used flags to signal. And they took the flags and they, they signaled um, with the flags. They said, they said uh, we need water. And the ship, looking through a telescope, saw that they were flashing and trying to say something to them. And they read the code and it said, they need water. And they sent back a message, let down your bucket. It said, well, you don't understand. We need water. Send it again. We need water. And it said, let down your bucket. And finally, the ship just goes off the horizon. And there those thirsting men are, desperate. And the captain says, I don't know what it means, but get the bucket and let it down. They took the bucket and they dropped it off the side of that boat and they let it down. And when they pulled the bucket up, true story, they tasted the water and it was cool, clean, clear water that tasted wonderful. What they didn't know was they were in the Gulf Stream of where the mighty Amazon, the world's largest river, 
flows into the ocean. And for 200 miles, that river is so powerful that it pushes clean, fresh water. It pushes it down and suppresses the heavier salt water. And all that was under their boat, the whole time they were thirsting, the whole time they were, they were empty, the whole time they were dry, all they had to do right under their nose was just let down your bucket. It's right there. And I'm telling you, see, y'all don't believe that. You don't believe that Jesus is the well of living water that never runs dry. You don't believe that whatever you're going through... All you have to do is let down your bucket. And if you let down your bucket, there's healing for your body. There's restoration for your family. I believe Jesus is the answer. And I believe that when you let down your bucket, he says, I'll give you living water that you've never tasted before. It's possible to give up. It's possible to give in. When the answer is right under your nose, get a pick, get a shovel and find the diamonds in your life. Quit running and looking for a quick answer. If you're in college, stay there. If you're on a job and it doesn't look like it's working for you, I know there are times we have to change. There are times when God leads us. But if God doesn't release you from that situation, success will be a four letter word. Stay. Psalms 23 said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And if you'll lay down, he'll green it up. As long as you're looking at somebody else, looking for something else, looking out somewhere. The Bible said in Proverbs 17, the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. You know what that means? That means the eyes of a fool are always looking way out there. They don't notice what's right under their nose. It's like the man with a $100,000 bass boat. I've watched them. I live on the lake. And they'll come around my pier sometimes. And I'll just watch them from the window. And they'll take a rod and reel. $100,000 bass boat. And they'll try to get as close as they can to my pier. And then the guy standing on my pier will take his rod and reel and throw it as far as he can trying to get as close to them. Well, where's the fish at? They might be right up under your nose, but you're working real hard. Why don't you ask God to open your eyes to wonderful things? Why don't you ask God to show me the potential of where I am right now? And you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that God will use this message to cause people to have a spirit of gratitude. That says, I am right now, not someday, one day when I get this, that, and the other, I'm going to give myself the opportunity to be thankful and praise God. But right now, you're not in the hospital. You don't have anything going on with you right now. So can you just praise him for right now? There's faith now. There's joy now. There's peace now. There's provision now. Don't worry about tomorrow. You're living in acres of diamonds and you need to get up. And you need to get joyful in your spirit again. Let down your bucket. Let down your bucket. And so, so I found, I found this old song. You're supposed to be out here. I found this old song on the internet 
that George Beverly Shea used to sing at Billy Graham's Crusades. I had no idea the song existed. And not only that, there was another group that recorded it and it was great. And I came home this week and I called, I had someone call Jonathan. I said, I want y'all, y'all supposed to move that. I, I, I want, I want, that's why I'm standing over here. Come on now. Praise God. I'm a director and a preacher. But I want you to listen to the words of this song. Don't go anywhere. I want you to listen. I want you to listen all over at every campus because you've taken for granted your greatest asset. Can I preach just two more minutes? It's my sermon. I can preach it like I want to. Do you know Jesus is the greatest treasure the world has ever known? And he hung between two thieves. Watch this. Look up here at me. Jesus, God in skin, was bleeding and dying. And one thief looks on one side and he sees trash. And with his last fleeting breath, he curses the Savior. You're good for nothing, sorry. And goes into eternity. The Bible said he cursed him and died. Looking at the blood. Looking at redemption. Looking at acres of spiritual diamonds untold. On the other side, another thief who's lived just as wretched of a life looks at the same blood, the same wounds, the same man hanging in the middle but his eyes get open to wonderful things and he says when he doesn't see trash he sees a treasure he sees a king he doesn't look like a king but that's just a diamond in the rough in three days he'll raise up as the greatest the fire is going to transport him from the bottom of the earth from hell itself to the highest seat in the universe and all things bow down to his name, Jesus. And one didn't see it, but the other did. And he said, when you come into your kingdom, you're not a thief, you're not a criminal, you're a king, a bloody king. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus looked at him. They're both looking at the same thing. It's the same plow and the same ox and the same acreage. And one saw it and one didn't. And here's why you ought to be shouting happy today. There are billions of people in the world and millions and thousands of them are following other religions. They hear the story of Jesus. They hear the story of the cross and it's just a just another story. He's just another religious founder and leader. But they follow that religion or no religion because they just can't see it. This is what I want you to get. If your eyes have been opened to who Jesus is, you can take a lot of stuff from me, but you can't take away my faith in Jesus Christ because I have seen who he is. 
And if you don't ever get another miracle in your life, can you praise him that you know he's your savior? You know his blood washes and cleanses from all sin. That you know that he's said to you, you'll be with me in paradise because of this blood. I see it. Do you see it? I see it. I see it. Do you see it? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.